Hey, it's Chris. What's going on, technicians? Thank you for joining me for yet another episode of The After Party. I'm really starting to get into this. I don't know about you guys. I'm seeing some feedback, and I'm seeing the subscribers, the numbers like going up a little bit. Um, this is really a rush for me to be able to kind of start something over, start from scratch, build up something new, and just have a lot of fun. That's mainly what this is. I feel like I'm just talking to friends here like on every episode. Just to give you a little preview of the show today, we're gonna be talking about all kinds of things. New Apple shirts that are available at the HQ, uh, which I'm really upset that I missed by a matter of months. Um, and then we're gonna talk about Siri shortcuts. You guys have been asking for that. We're gonna dive into that a little bit. We're gonna talk about Apple TV 4K versus the new Roku 4K Ultra Player. That should be an interesting discussion. I'm also gonna mention my minimum viable app setup on my iPhone. In other words, the handful of apps that I truly can't live without. You know, there's so many apps out there, like what are the ones that I always install immediately and don't even think about anything else? Like, I'm just good to go. We're gonna talk about that. Um, there's some other stuff, you know, that we might throw in here and there as we get going. Um, sort of a free-ranging discussion for all things daily tech and Apple, and whatever, whatever comes up. That's what keeps us fun, right? But I just wanna dive in and start by talking about Siri shortcuts, because I made a video this last week um, that was about iPad OS. It was about how to get the most out of it, like how I'm using it, what was my workflow, and my tips and techniques kind of to get the most out of the iPad. And specifically, I was working on an iPad Pro, but really it was stuff that would work on any iPad, because iPad OS, any, anything new enough to run that. And so, right at the beginning of the video, I was talking about a Siri shortcut that I made. I was talking about several, you know, and what I did was I blew up all the Siri shortcuts that I had in the past, um, got rid of all that legacy stuff, started over, and I was like, what can I do to make this experience better? And one of the first things that I talked about was a shortcut that I ended up making to instantly connect to my AirPods or to my Beats or whatever Bluetooth listening device I was I was using. And it's like, all of a sudden, this is like the greatest thing that I've ever said on Daily Tech, on the channel, ever. People went nuts about this. And of course, they wanted the shortcut. And I commented to as many people as I could. I couldn't possibly respond to everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it turns out like this is something that people really, really wanted because it was something that they were running into. And it was born out of a frustration that I was having and, you know, it's not like a big deal, but it's just a little nice convenience. And that was, you know, I switched between listening to my AirPods on so many different devices, my iPhone or the Apple TV uh, or, you know, an iPad, whatever, my Mac. And so I was getting sick of like going into the settings, going into Bluetooth, selecting it, waiting for it to connect or whatever. Um, and I know there's other ways to do it. I've covered a lot of those in tips videos and whatever, but so I just, I was like, I wonder if there's a way to sit down and instantly connect to my AirPods. And this is a great point, a great tip for people moving forward. Um, when you have a need for something, when you think to yourself, the instant that you, that you, in your mind, you're like, I wonder if there's a better way to do whatever it is, then there probably is. And you could probably do it with shortcuts. So there's like a million different uh, tips, you know, for shortcuts and, and people, you know, can throw out their favorite shortcuts or there's even like some galleries out there that just collect really good shortcuts and stuff. 
and try to make it really easy for you to find and use and um, and Apple in the app itself, in the Shortcuts app, like there's a gallery and you can browse through it. And the problem with that though, all those approaches like a gallery or someone else's list of shortcuts, like you have to sit there and look at the shortcut and you might find something and be like, well, yeah, that actually is pretty cool. But it's like, what do I do with it? You have to imagine different ways that you can actually put it to use. And so that actually ends up not being very usable. I had a bunch of shortcuts in my shortcuts app and widgets and stuff that I had found like in the gallery or that people had suggested, but that weren't actually applicable to me, like in my daily use and my workflow. And so what I'm saying is the instant that you hear your head be like, this isn't as good as it could be. I wonder if there's a better way. That's when you go into shortcuts and you make your own shortcut, which is not as hard as it sounds. Trust me. Let's talk about that. So in this, so in my instance, I was like, I want to connect my AirPods. So I headed into the shortcuts app, I launched it and I tapped on the plus button to add a new shortcut. And then you just start searching around in the apps and extensions or whatever category there. Uh, you don't want to search in the gallery. You want to search after you hit that plus button, um, kind of down at the bottom of the screen on your iPhone. Uh, and, and then I started searching for anything that was sort of like related, whether, cause I'm not a programmer, right? And you know, I can't do like, what if this and that, what, that's not like my kind of a thing, right? Um, I'm more of a consumer type of person, just like you guys probably. And so um, I was searching for AirPods, found nothing. And I searched for Bluetooth, found the wrong kind of stuff. But then I searched for AirPlay and that is when I struck gold. And so what that does is really simple, brings up a little command or action and you select the output device that you want the audio to be piped out to. So it just shows you like a list of all the stuff that you have ever connected there or whatever is paired or has been paired and select AirPods or select your Beats Solo Pros or whatever you got going on. You can select HomePod, you know, any of your audio stuff and save it, name it, save it, give it an icon uh, so you know about it and, and you can arrange it in your widget there on iPadOS or and what's really cool now that we're out of the betas is that all those shortcuts and the widgets sync um, across my devices and your devices. So um, as soon as I set this up on my iPad, which was in the video, boom, there it was on my iPhone too. And I'm using it there all the time as well. So yeah, what I'm saying is a lot of the things in my life that end up being super useful are not things that just happened in an instant. Um, and oftentimes that's the way that my brain works. It's like go out and search for some new shortcuts because you need to be using it, but that's not really what happens. And I can't do the same thing when I'm making content and be like, go out and find some really great AirPods tips to share, make into a video. Like that's not the way to make good content either. The really good stuff, the best stuff that I've put out on the channel is the stuff that I discovered or created or whatever, because I had an actual use for it or a need. And the thing was everybody else did too. And they really liked it. That's why this particular shortcut really resonated with people is because they also wanted to easily connect their AirPods to whatever. And so, yeah, that's what I would encourage you to do. The next time that you're doing something on your iPhone or on your iPad and you're like, man, I wonder if it could be better. That's when to get into shortcuts. And I think that's honestly the best way to get something out of shortcuts because there are some cool stuff in the gallery. One of my favorite things is the dictate and share shortcut. And when I found that, it, what it does is let you, uh, you know, voice something and so dictate it and then it copies to the clipboard and you can then share it to wherever. 
And the second I saw it, when Shortcuts first came out, that was one of the feature things, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, I think I could use that for something. But then mm, I couldn't actually find any uses for it. It was just cluttering up my shortcuts. But later, um, and so I guess it, it doesn't hurt to be familiar with what's in the gallery, because if you go through there and you kind of have it in the back of your mind, later, I did find a use for it. Like someone on the team here was like, hey, what do I say to this person in this email? And in the past, I've like walked over and we discussed it and or I've like typed it out like on the computer or whatever. But the other day I was like, oh, yeah, dictate and share. And I popped in, reloaded that shortcut. And now when somebody asked me something like that, I just voice my actual words, the, the correct response and share it, whether it's airdrop, email, uh, text, whatever. And it's now that was an awesome addition to shortcuts. But if I had just been browsing through the gallery, it wouldn't really have struck me how to use it. I would have been like, oh, that seems like it's cool, but I didn't know how to use it. But later when you know I ran into a situation where I was like, ah, oh, this could be better. There's gotta be a better way. That's when I went to shortcuts. So that's the lesson for you guys. And I, I will make a video on shortcuts, more like the ones I use and whatever, but I'm just saying, I think the best way for you is over a long period of time to build up some shortcuts when you have those moments because that's what's been working really well for me. Let's discuss minimum viable apps. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of what I'm titling this because I realized um, when I got the new iPhones, I got rid of all the apps that I had been using because, man, I'm like an app collector. I had so many. If you ever saw the video that I made on how to organize iPad apps, creative ways to organize those. That was a fun video. It was actually pretty popular back in the day. Um, then you know, like I have a lot of apps. Uh, we were organizing by color and just all kinds of crazy ways. I'm not gonna break it down for you. You can go watch it and, and you should. That's a classic daily tech video. Um, you should check it out. When I got the new phone though, I was like, I'm gonna start over and I'm just gonna be very minimal and purposeful and get rid of everything that's extra and just like cluttering it up. Cause the digital space, I feel like it's really like the physical space, like your home screen. It's just like a room that you live in. And if you have a bunch of clutter and junk everywhere, it's not very fun, right? In the back of your head, you feel like probably you're kind of missing out on all this stuff and you're not really making the most of it. And why did you buy it or why is it in there? And instead, it's just like, keep it simple. I think that would be at least a good starting point. And so I did. I, I restarted just like a phone from scratch. And there's just a handful of apps I discovered that I remembered, um, didn't have to browse around, be like, oh yeah, that, that app's on my phone, I might, maybe I should use that. Just that I remembered, went searching for, and downloaded, like five or six apps. And the same thing happens like when an Android company sends me an Android phone or, or whatever, and I, there's just a handful of apps that I pop into the store and download and make sure that I have, because they're my minimum viable app setup for a phone. And I should add too, these aren't like super flashy, and there's stuff that you would know about. That's why I would never talk about this in like a tips video or apps video on Daily Tech because it's like you've heard about it before. Um, but all the, some of the very best ideas for apps happened a long time ago when the ecosystem was brand new and, and they really haven't changed. You know, what's useful then is like useful now. And there's, there's exceptions. Like there's cool new innovative apps and those are the ones that I cover on the main channel uh, for like app videos or whatever. But yeah, I mean, when you hear these, you're gonna be like, that's it? You know what I mean? Probably. So there's three social apps that I feel like are must. I have to have those in order to communicate or stay up to date, even if I'm not communicating with certain people, just 
you know, kind of keep tabs on, like see what's going on in the industry or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, to commu- communicate with you guys, technicians, the fans, and, um, you know, do things like interact, ask, ask questions, polls. Um, you know, it really is fuel for the videos. Um, so can't be without these. Um, and those three things are Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Like, you know, yawn, right? Boring. Those have been around forever. Twitter, though, like, it's a good testing ground. If there's an idea percolating for some kind of piece of content, I can kind of put something out about it, a tweet that sort of hints at it, and then a small subsection of the technician family around the world sees that, responds, interacts, and it's like, okay, wow, I didn't expect that tweet to kind of take off. Um, Or, oh, yeah, no one really cares. That wasn't very interesting at all, I guess. Um, and so it's kind of a good way to test. It's a great way to just like reach out to people instead of email, instead of text, you know, shoot a DM. Um, that's basically the main way that I collaborate with several other YouTube creators is just in the DMS on Twitter. And then it's also almost like a news outlet for me too, because I'll see like what's floating by, um, the other stuff that other related, you know, creators are putting out and I'll let you guys in on a little secret. I don't consume a whole lot of other tech videos and content on Twitter, or I mean on YouTube, <laughs> Twitter either, because number one, the number one factor is I just don't have time. Number two, it's like the less that I consume that, the more original I am because I'm not getting like ideas from other people. And um, I think you guys have seen that a lot in the last month or two on the channel. It's really taken on its own personality and a life of its own and doing its own thing. And so a lot of that is a result of just like, Number one, being busy. Number two, just absorbing uh, and concentrating and working on our stuff and not really worrying. But what's cool on Twitter, though, is like I can see. I see the thumbnail, see what it's about. I'm like, oh, yeah. And I have my pulse on like what's going on in the community still, talking with people, too. Um, So it's good for that. But Instagram, I feel like I've almost started going to Instagram also for the DMs. Like a lot of people reach out there, uh, other creators and, and people, too. But more for the stories than like the actual posts. Are you guys like that too? Like, do you sit there and just mostly go through the stories and kind of check in? And I like, I still share uh, actual Instagram posts, but really the stories became like the main feature for me. I don't know, but that's another way too. It's almost like a news feed to just kind of keep up on things. And some of the accounts like one thirty seven PM, which is a Gary Vaynerchuk, like sub brand or something. He's involved somehow. Um, they do some really interesting stuff and it's not just about a really pretty picture and photography. Um, they do like actual useful business advice and stuff really fond of that community that they've created over there. Um, find a lot of value in that. So it's kind of like a newsy kind of a thing over there for me too. And then of course, YouTube really, um, there's two apps for, for creators. There's like the creator studio and then there's YouTube and I kind of wish that they'd put some of the stuff like interacting with the community or posting a story stuff in the creator studio. Some of it would make sense over there, but I've got that because uh, that's a source of entertainment. I don't watch a lot of YouTube though on my phone unless I have to, because I feel like the iPad uh, is a lot better for that. Social stuff aside, I know that was probably super, super boring. Uh, There's two productivity apps that I can't live without either. And by the way, I'm talking about like non-Apple stuff here, obviously, because there's like several Apple things that I live in and use Apple Mail, Apple Notes, you know, all that stuff, Apple Music. Uh, but for non-Apple stuff, something that I use all the time, 
uh, is Trello. You guys probably know about this. It's been around forever too. You see it in some of the videos sometimes, but it's how I stay organized in terms of the content pipeline for Daily Tech, whether it's video stuff, whether it's podcast stuff, whatever it is, it goes in Trello. And I think it's called a Kanban board. I don't know why, I don't know what that means, but it's great. You get a card for like everything that you can put uh, attach media to, checklists, um, picture, whatever. Um, it's just, and collaborate with other people, like on the team, by the way. And it's a really great way to just stay organized. And then those cards are like draggable. You can rearrange them, move them around, put them in different lists, different boards. Um, so that's something that basically we chose to use however long ago and it's just been with us forever. Oh, you know, I know where I got it. Um, a long time ago when Daily Tech was a blog still, um, I did a couple of guest spots, guest writing things for ReadWrite. It used to be ReadWrite Web. They rebranded as ReadWrite because we were all part of Say Media uh, back then, which I don't think that's around anymore. If it is, it's in a totally different form. But uh, yeah, they got us on uh, to using Trello. So Trello's cool. And you're not going to believe what this next productivity one is. You're going to be like, ah, oh, that's so lame. But it's Pocket. And it hasn't always been Pocket, which is a read it later thing, right? The Safari read it later doesn't work for me. It's just not full featured enough. I don't actually just want to read it later. I need to interact with stuff because I use it to save articles and organize, you know, research and stuff for content on daily tech. And then I go in and then I highlight stuff. I make notes. Um, and it's, yeah, I got to organize the stuff somewhere without cluttering up my actual notes program uh, or whatever. And so I recently actually switched to Pocket, back to Pocket. I've been back and forth from Instapaper because uh, Instapaper really doesn't work too good on Android, number one. And as I'm testing other devices, uh, it's just unusable. So many glitches. Um, but it just felt a little bit cleaner, a little bit different, needed a change. And so one thing I miss over on Pocket um, that Instapaper had was the ability to add notes to your highlights. Um, but both of them, actually, I wish somebody would come out and I could give you a whole list of things that I wish that either of those apps added um, for the way that I use it. Um, but it's essential to me. I know it's boring, but it's like one of my go-to things. The last thing that I can think of that's like a must download though when I set up a new device, something I can't live without is a password management app. And for me, it's been one password lately. Um, although uh, as Safari and Apple's own password management stuff has improved, um, I kind of wish that I had got set up and started um, back and just used the built-in keychain, you know, password management. I've thought about that before because one password does cost. I know there's other ones, LastPass, whatever that people really like, and that's cool. Um, but one password has always been really good for us. I actually met their team out at WWDC. Renee Ritchie uh, introduced me over at the Fairmont there. It was cool. Um, they seem like very cool people. Great product though, like stellar product. Uh, but now that we're getting like sign in with Apple, uh, that button that Apple's requiring apps and people they work with to use whenever they offer a sign-in with Google or Facebook button. They have to now require the sign-in with Apple button. Um, and you don't have to give away your email address. You can remain a lot more private, anonymous, or whatever. Uh, that's that's killer. That's like awesome. And so, and they do a good job, Apple, of integrating third-party password management stuff into your sign-in stuff on iOS and iPadOS. Um, I just be a little bit smoother, I think, to switch over and cheaper, by the way, <laughs> free. Um, I forget what it costs for a subscription to one password, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's like a pain to switch over, but I'm thinking about it. But either way, I have to have 
that on any device because I need that to sign in to all my other stuff. Apps have been around forever. There's a million, there's so many uploaded all the time. And it's just become so saturated. Like it's really hard to find something that does something really different at this point uh, on a phone, on the iPad. And so these are the apps that I like have to have, have to use on my iPhone um, for actual work. Um, and probably over the next year, I'll accumulate a bunch of other apps like I've done in the past uh, that I'll forget about um, that se- seemed like a good idea at the time and then just need to get stashed in a folder and got in the way because um, that's how it goes. We're going to talk a little bit about the Apple TV 4K, the nicest, greatest Apple TV box is out, and the new U- Roku Ultra, what is it called? It's called... Oh, 2019 Roku Ultra. That is what it's called. (laughs) We're going to talk about it because I'm fascinated uh, by what's happening in this space right now. I've got two, three Apple TVs around the house or studio right now. Um, So they're essential. They're like an essential part of my everyday living. In the studio, use it all the time. I don't know if you guys know this, but some of the backgrounds that you see in videos are just on a giant, huge 65-inch TV with a desk in front of it and got Unsplash, the app running in the background, just kind of like cheating there a little bit with some cool visuals and you may not realize it's just in the studio there, but um, it's it's essential though in the studio. And yeah, I've got one in the bedroom. Uh, So yeah, Apple TV. um, And of course that makes sense. You know, I use so many Apple devices. But the Roku is interesting because it's $80 cheaper and still gives you 4K content And I thought, you know, there's people out there probably who are like, which one should I get? And so I just want to keep you guys informed. And it's just an interesting discussion to see, like, who is doing what in this space and which one is really better. Is price all that actually matters? You're going to be surprised. And I should point out, Apple has, like, two different uh, Apple TVs boxes out on the market right now. We're talking about the higher-end one, um, not the one that's just HD. Um, so this Apple TV, I can't believe this, uh, but the Apple TV 4K, it's been out for a couple of years. I think it was announced in 2017. So if you got one, to me, it seems like just the other day, <laughs> but I can't believe it was all the way back in 2017. So it's been around. It's uh, it's getting ancient already in tech world, uh, but the Roku that just came out is 2019 and is very similar to uh, what they've offered before, but it has a few new features. So let's talk about the remote first because there's a new updated remote even though it looks old and I don't like the look of the Roku remotes. I don't mind saying that. Just it feels ugly. It feels uh, the opposite of well-designed but whatever. It's cheaper and whatever and it's not that bad. Um, Just you know ah. But yeah so one of the new things is there's two shortcut buttons Uh, and this I like the idea of. You can reprogram these two buttons to be shortcuts for whatever you want. Um, and from what I understand, you can do that with your voice too. So that's pretty convenient. That's something that you don't get over on the Apple side of things. And I have a feeling the reason that Apple doesn't just include something like that is because they figure you can launch whatever you want using your voice, using that uh, voice or Siri button. And so they're like, well, why clutter up the remote, right? Apple's all about simplicity. And I have, of all the Apple products, this remote probably has the most problems uh, in terms of actual real-world usability. But I'm thinking that's what they're thinking. On the side of the Roku remote, you've got your volume buttons, but there's also a mute button, which I like because that's something that the Apple TV doesn't have. Um, and it's annoying because if I'm watching something, I do want to mute it. Like, 
one time, uh, a good place where I, I, I'm a good example is I mute the commercials during like live sports games <laughs> because that's one of the things that I still tune into actual TV channels for is for sports. And so if it's like the Broncos are on CBS or something, there's a lot of ads, I mute those so I don't have to listen. But I can't do that with the actual Apple TV remote. And that's annoying. So kudos for Roku for putting that on there. Uh, another thing that it has on the Roku remote is a universal power button. And on the Apple, you know, remote, it's supposed to be more simplified. If you just touch it, it should fire up everything, turn on your TV and everything. If you have the right, um, arc input or whatever. And then if you hold down the certain button, you can put everything to sleep too, including the TV. So there's not like just a dedicated power button, but you know, it, it would almost be simpler and nicer to have, like, just give me a power button on off. You know what I mean? I understand where Apple was going and, and it's just, and sometimes it's annoying because you can accidentally turn it on or like an animal can brush past it and accidentally turn on all your stuff because of that crazy touch area on the Siri remote. So, uh, but speaking of like shortcut buttons, the Roku remote, it also has like it has before, um, dedicated buttons for like Netflix and Hulu and I don't know what all, but, and you know, that's just clutter for me. Uh, I don't like having that. It's very easy to just, you know, click one more button. Uh, I like the simplicity in some areas on the Apple Siri remote. And that's one of them. I don't like those buttons that are dedicated. Some people probably do. I just don't like them. Some people really like the fact that the Roku remote has uh, a headphone jack on the side where you can just plug in. I don't like that. I don't care. I'm not going to use it. Uh, you guys know, if you know me at all, I'm all about wireless stuff where possible. And one of the best things about the Apple TV is that you can very, very quickly, instantly connect your AirPods and listen. If you want to not disturb everybody, AirPods, that's the way to go. So much better than having a wired input on the side of the remote, right? And then it's attached to the remote. I don't like that. The feel, though, of this Siri remote, functionality aside, the feel of it is like it's much more premium. It's nicer. The materials... It's clearly more, <laughs> I was going to say well thought out, but I don't think that's the right way to phrase it. But from a design perspective, you can respect uh, the effort that was put into trying to make it really premium and nice because it does have a premium, nice feel. Whereas the Roku remote on the other side, it just feels uh, last minute. I know that's not fair. Somebody put a lot of time and effort into this. It just, it just, it's not something that I like. Now, let's be honest. The bulk of the content that everybody in the world is going to be consuming on either device is going to be there for both devices, whether it's Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, uh, music, whatever it is. Um, the mainstream stuff is going to be there on both. So that's hardly really uh, a differentiating factor. Now, Roku has done something, well, Apple and Roku have gone separate directions when it comes to price because Roku knows its customer. They're saying these people don't care. They want to spend less, so they don't care about like maybe little things that they view as frivolities. Um, and so they bake into things like their search um, price-based ranking and stuff. So um, they may favor in the search rankings things that are free to watch, for instance, which you might really like. Uh, whereas Apple is like, we're going to polish every little corner and make it just as premium as possible because we know that our customers are likely um, to be willing to spend a little bit extra money, perhaps. One thing I'll say about that, though, is that 
for the same reason that I don't watch just like cable right now <laughs> or I haven't for years and most people aren't is because I have switched and I think a lot of people have really switched to more of an on-demand type of thing and it's less about for me when I have which is rare these days time to like sit down and watch a movie or something what I'm not doing is like browsing through to see what's on or what's available right now that's not usually what I'm doing um so whether it's ranked by the price and it's free or whatever. Um, even when I had like Sling TV, which I canceled, I don't know if I told you guys that, but when I had that, there's a lot of movies that are on for free on these different channels, movie channels and whatever, regular channels. And for a limited time, they would have certain movies on uh, that were just on that channel for, I don't know, a month or two or whatever until the window was over and the content rights moved somewhere else. And you know, even if I DVR'd it, like, I want to be able to pick. I don't really go looking for somebody's recommendation or just what happens to be available so I can just be entertained with something. You know, like, I try to be more pur- purposeful about what I'm consuming. So that kind of thing with the Roku, it just it doesn't really appeal to me. I'm after what I'm after. So, But one of the things that Roku has is this thing called the Roku Channel, and it's like a catalog of free movies and TV shows and news and kids programs and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which is nice. I guess I haven't really used it. But what Apple has done, on the other hand, is have Apple TV Plus, which is like actual, original, exclusive content that you can get. And it does cost you, but uh, just this is what I'm talking about. Totally, totally, totally different strategies between these two companies and boxes and services. Now, here's where things get really interesting. You can get the Apple TV app on Roku devices now. Isn't that interesting? So in a way, you end up getting a little bit of the Apple TV experience on a Roku device. But don't be fooled though, it's not really a full Apple TV experience. We're gonna talk about all the ways that the Apple TV actually differentiates itself for that extra $80 in just a minute, and you're gonna be like, oh yeah, that's way different. But still, it's cool that if you do go this route, because maybe you have like an extra TV somewhere and you don't want to spend that extra money, and but you do just want the content, maybe just getting a Roku and having an Apple TV app, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, is good enough. So it's cool that it's there. And yes, uh, Apple TV Plus will also be available uh, through that Apple TV app on Roku devices too, because Apple's not siloing that off. Uh, they want as many people as possible to subscribe to it, kind of like Apple Music is available on Android. Same kind of a thing. One thing that's very cool about the Roku is that you can stream YouTube stuff in 4K. I create 4K content. Uh, these The podcast stuff, the clips, I do that in 1080 because it's mostly uh, just a bonus on top of the audio content, the audio side. But like on the main channel, yeah, that's 4K, uh, absolutely trying to make it as good as possible, as clear as possible. And it's kind of annoying. You can't see my content in 4K on the Apple TV through the YouTube app, but you can on the Roku. So if that actually matters, then there you go. But if you're sitting there thinking to yourself like, yeah, that Roku box, it sounds pretty good. Uh, Maybe that's what I'm going to get. Here's some of the things that differentiate the Apple TV. Number one, AirPlay. You knew I was going to say that. And I'm not just saying things going to the Apple TV, which is nice but also coming from the Apple TV, you can use AirPlay 2 to play your sound through HomePods, for instance. That's not gonna happen on the Roku. And then uh, 
There's also like the setup process. I love when I get an, a new Apple product and it's going to come join the rest of the products in my ecosystem and it's just hold the two things together and they pair. Well, that's the same kind of a thing. Get your Apple TV set up by putting your iPhone close and it does a thing where it brings up the little thing, you hit connect. That's just awesome, right? That doesn't matter really. Um, it's like not a reason just to buy it over the Roku, but it's that kind of stuff. I was talking about they just polish all the corners, make sure it looks good, works good. That's the kind of thing. What's actually much more substantial, though, in the features department is the fact that you can use your Apple TV as a home hub, well, smart home hub. So, like, you can use it to control all your smart home stuff. It's a hub for your smart home. And that's not something you're going to get with the Roku. Something that I really love uh, about the Apple TV experience is when it's time to enter a password. Uh, you're not stuck there just, like, you know, poking the little buttons, trying to find everything and hitting the shift key to like, you know what I mean? On the Apple TV, number one, you could voice your password. That's really stupid if somebody else is around and you don't want, but you can do it if you're alone, which is very cool. Number two, um, if you have your iPhone, it'll buzz in your pocket when you get to the password field or the search field and you can either type it or voice it uh, right there. And on top of that, if you have uh, iCloud set up with your password management, then you can just enter it in right there too. So from your phone to your Apple TV, that's magic. That's the Apple magic. And then there's all the iCloud stuff. So like your music and your photos, it's really cool you know, to like go out on a day trip or something, come back and everyone can like gather around the TV and you don't have to do anything. You're not even, you don't even have to airplay. It's just open up the photos app and boom, there's your photos on your really nice TV, like to, for everybody to take in and remember. Um, so, you know, that's convenient. What I will say about the Roku experience though, is it's all about streaming. Like technically probably they, there is more content to stream over there. I don't, I think ultimately it doesn't really matter because it's stuff you would probably wouldn't end up really caring about, probably for most people, 99% of people. Uh, but what they don't have is a lot of the extra stuff. Like, um, yes, you can go search in Roku and find some other streaming channels, but and you can do that on the Apple TV. But on the Apple TV, if you want to have a whole different kind of an app, you can check out the App Store. And like one of my favorites um, is, what is it called? Oh, Numerics. And uh, it's a subscription service these days, but it's cool. Like if you want to put up a dashboard with all your business KPIs and metrics and analytics and stuff, you could do that. And it's an easy way to get that on a TV. You know, there's a whole like thriving app store, um, less than you would get on like an iPhone or, or iPad, or whatever. But, but there's a lot of cool apps for your TV. Like I already mentioned Unsplash, just like cool stuff. You're just not going to get uh, nearly the quality of apps over on the Roku. And you know what else you're not going to get? is games. Um, from, from what I understand, there's some, a couple of little, like, little cheesy games. I don't know who would ever want to play them on the Roku. On the Apple TV, there's like games anyways, but now there's also Apple Arcade. Oh, and on top of that, you can hook up your Xbox controller, your PlayStation controller. It's just, it's not even comparable. It's only $5 a month for the whole family too. The whole family can enjoy it. Uh, so man, just the ability to use Apple Arcade on one of your streaming boxes. That's insane. Just talking about the premium feel stuff. Um, one annoying thing when you open a uh, Roku and you just see like there's an off the shelf component stuffed in there um, in terms of the cable. Whereas Apple even went to the trouble of designing really nice premium feeling power cable. You know what I mean? Um, 
It's just all about the feel. Like it is a premium experience. And some of that stuff, it probably, it may not matter to you. But on the other hand, it just goes to show you if they put that much experience into some of it, then it tells you a lot about the rest of the experience too, I think. With one exception, <laughs> how, how usable that remote actually is. And, and to be very fair, the remote is usable. Like uh, it's just like it gets a C instead of an A if I were to grade it. And uh, I just talked about this. What video did I talk about this in? I often have switched over to just using my phone uh, because you can swipe down from the corner, open up your notification center on the iPhone, and there's an icon there to use it as a remote for your Apple TV. That is almost just easier and better and more accurate, honestly. So that's something you can think about too. Um, the Apple TV has baked the power brick into the unit itself, uh, which is different than Roku. That's nice. If you are short on space in your home theater setup and you don't want an extra power brick messing everything up, that's something to think about. Um, that's kind of a small thing. But here's what's a big thing, Dolby Vision, which requires uh, more CPU, which the Apple unit has. So if HDR matters to you, if you want it to look better, if you're going for the best possible experience, because 4K is one thing. And I used to talk about this a lot when I did um, PlayStation versus Xbox and, and gaming videos. This has been several years ago now. But HDR is almost a bigger upgrade than 4K in a lot of cases. Um, coming from HD to 4K, going from non-HDR to HDR. So so the quality of your HDR is really going to impact how cool your content looks. And if you have a TV that can take advantage of that, uh, it's really a no-brainer. So I guess at the end of the day, if all you care about is watching content, then maybe the Roku's cool. Then maybe that's fine. Even Apple content, maybe the Roku's cool uh, in 4K. But... Um, the Apple TV genuinely offers you more stuff. And I would say considerably more stuff. And for me, uh, if I had the money, I would just absolutely go with the Apple TV 4K. Give me that Dolby Vision. Give me the Apple Arcade. So I don't know if you guys know this. If you're not from California, if you're not from Cupertino, if you're not living somewhere around Apple's visitor center and headquarters, I don't know how many people know this because I didn't used to know about this but there are some exclusive t-shirts that get sold at One Infinite Loop, uh, the new campus, and, and the new campus. Um, so you have to get these shirts in person if you want to get them, and, or you have to like have somebody go get it. They're not sold online. So it's really an exclusive thing. And the first time that I ever laid my eyes on these was when I was at a WWDC, I think last time. And so I loaded up. I got, I don't know, five or six or seven of these shirts um, because who knows when I'm going to be back there. And plus, hey, Apple Apple dude talking about Apple stuff on the Apple channel. Got to gotta wear those on sometimes. But unfortunately, a lot of the designs were on the back. <laughs> so you guys just think I'm wearing a white shirt or a black shirt. But whatever. But you'll notice there's some really cool Apple design shirts out there. And you might be wondering, like, where did that person get those? Sometimes people are like, nice shirt. Where'd you get it? Um, then that is where. And now you know. And by the way, it's like uh, a great way to find other people who are really into Apple too. I was wearing an AirPods shirt um, somewhere. And somebody was like, hey, nice AirPods shirt. Because most people are like, what is that? Because it's almost like an x-ray or the inner components of the AirPods. I don't even know if they sell that shirt anymore. Uh, so I guess I'm glad I got it. But um, I was like, oh yeah, he actually knows what it is. And we got to talking. Oh, he was 
an ex Apple store employee. And so that was cool. So it can be a good conversation starter too, but there's a new seasonal collection. I don't know. There's something like 20 new shirts. And so if you have a relative or friends, somebody that you know out in California, now was the time to bother them, send us some money, give them an extra tip so they can go get you some new Apple stuff. But get this, the shirts are $40 each before we start talking about the actual designs. And when I was in the store, that kind of like blew me away. I was like, what? And part of that is the exclusivity. And part of it is like, Apple knows you're here. It's the only way to get it. And so you're probably, if you're there at the Apple headquarters, if you're that interested, you're going to be willing to pay. Um, so yeah, $40 for a t-shirt. It's expensive. Like it's not like a Hanes shirt, uh, right. That has Apple design and like fruit of the loom, uh, on the tag. Like, no, it's like got an Apple back there and, um, they seem like very high quality, at least to me. And you guys want a tip? Somebody told me about this. I didn't know about this when I was out there. Somebody said, so I don't know if it's true but maybe give it a shot. Somebody told me that there's a, a way to try these on. There's like a fitting room um, when you're at either of these two stores out in California. And I wish I had known that because I talked about in my Apple campus tour, which is a great video. If you haven't watched that, go check it out. That was uh, a blast making that, meeting uh, some of the technicians and fans around there um, and just exploring you know, the mothership. But um, I ended up purchasing a shirt, one of those shirts that was the same size as the others. It was the one that was a big circle um, that looked like, you know, the outline of the new uh, circle campus. And it was too small. Like I don't wear it very often. It's just sitting there brand new in the closet because it's too short. Like can't wear that thing out in public. Um, It was the same large size as all the other ones that I got. And so I, I mentioned that video. I was like, man, I wish that there was a way to try it. And someone was like, oh, you can. Just ask for the fitting room. So I don't know if there's a fitting room or not, but ask about it. It looks to me like the coolest new shirt there. Well, I don't know if it's the coolest. The design isn't amazing, but what it represents is fairly cool. Uh, is There's like a pirate flag. And it's got, instead of an iPad, it's got the Apple logo, the old Apple logo. And the reason that it's cool is because it's supposedly the flag that was flying at Apple's old Bradley uh, campus office uh, when they were developing the original Mac stuff. And uh, there's a Steve Jobs quote in the back where there would normally be a tag under the Apple logo, and it says, it's uh, better to be a pirate than to join the Navy, which is like, cool, that's an amazing quote. And that's part of what I used to really love about Apple um, was like being anti-mainstream and against it. And, And you know, Was it really that or was it marketing to get you interested and in that mindset? I don't know. The interesting thing is Apple has in many ways (laughs) become the Navy, uh, which is weird because, uh, so this, this is really feels like more of a throwback to me. Now there's ways that they're still like going against the grain and stuff. That's not what I'm really talking about. But in terms of like, they're not the small little fighting force. Like they're like a big massive thing. They're like the most valuable company in the world and how many people own an iPhone out there, right? Apple really took over. But back when it was just the Mac days, when this flag was really flying, um, yeah. Like, I remember back in college, that's when it felt like it was really cool for me to be an Apple person instead of just like an expected thing. People would be like, oh, Apple or Android. Oh, Apple, okay, whatever. But back then, if if you used a Mac still, it was like, that was different. And you could explain why you liked it and what was so cool about it uh, right after... Uh, that new iMac hit, I remember, 
Like those were the days when you could be like, yeah, Apple. Um, I'm not going to go through all the different shirt designs, but like they got a couple in the old Apple Garamond uh, font, which is what they used, I think is their marketing typeface, like back in, I guess, until the early 2000s is, is when. So kind of a blast from the past. You might recognize it. And thankfully, all my shirts that I got are out of date. They kept around some of those uh, icon shirts, like the old Mac icons. I uh, got like the bomb and the old original Mac with a smiley and um, and an apple and whatever. Like those are cool, kind of pixelated icons. So those are still available, black and white, which I'm glad. Here's one shirt that I don't get. You guys need to help me out here. Uh, there's an emoji face. It's the zippered mouth emoji. So the mouth has been zipped shut, like zip it up. And I don't understand what is that trying to say, right? Is it saying, shh, it's a secret? Like, no, you know, nobody knows what this is. It's an inside thing. Uh, what is it saying? I don't understand. Uh, you guys let me know. But it's really cool. If you do go, some of my favorite ones, they seem to always have something with the address on it, uh, is to get one that tells the address where. Because there's one address, right, for the old campus and one for the new. And so I got one that was black and one and one that was white from the other. Um, but that's kind of fun too. Cause I, I can tell like when I'm wearing it around, people are trying to like figure out what it is. Uh, and that's another good way to tell if somebody knows, if they know, they know one infinite loop. Right. Um, uh, so anyways, it's, it's fun. These shirts, but shoot, I need the new ones now. Yep. 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 I think that's going to wrap it up for this version of the after party. It's hard to believe we're four official episodes in already. That's four weeks. Um, the clips are really taking off. I don't know if you guys just consume this uh, as one big, long video on YouTube or just one big, long podcast uh, in your Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever, uh, or if you're checking out the Clips channel, I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to check out the Clips channel because what we do is cut up these individual segments, pop them onto that separate channel, and then if you don't have time to sit here and wade through this long thing, maybe it's not all interesting to you. I don't know. Hopefully it is, but then you can just go in. And, and plus, it's kind of fun to watch, too, I, I think, too. Maybe a different sort of experience. So check it out. Um, I would love to hear your feedback. The best way to do that would be to tweet me, um, at Daily Text, spelled Daily T-E-K-K there. And until next week, I will catch you later.